and welcome to Southern Fried Pop Culture. I am one of your hosts, Mandy Kay. And I'm Kelly Lee. Each week we're going to talk about our experiences of Southern culture through the lens of stories that are set in the South, feature Southern characters, or are Southern flavored in some way. On this show, our structure comes from our amazing theme song written by our friend Jazzy Bentley. So we'll talk about the movie in three different sections. Southern culture in general, the bless your heart or problematic moments, and the things we love that tickle us pink. This week, we are talking about the classic Southern film, Gone with the Wind, starring Vivian Lee and Clark Gable, and based on the novel by Margaret Mitchell, which was published in 1936. It was directed by Victor Fleming, and the screenplay was written by Sidney Howard. So Gone with the Wind was released in 1940, and the movie is truly a product of its time, a relic from 80 years ago. It's disturbing and controversial, and I pretty much hated it, but it's also a Southern classic, so we're going to talk about it. The IMDb description of Gone with the Wind says, A manipulative woman and a roguish man conduct a turbulent romance during the American Civil War and Reconstruction periods. So, hello, patriarchy. Ultimately, I think this movie is a tragedy. That's that's the genre description that I would use. It is, but dang if that IMDb description is not spot on. <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure I've ever seen a more manipulative character than Scarlett O'Hara. Yeah, but she's not only manipulative. No, but I, I think it is her defining characteristic. Yeah, maybe a determined manipulative woman. I don't know. There's just something about <laughs> it that struck me the wrong way. Though I will not argue about Rhett Butler being roguish. Oh, absolutely not. Definitely a rogue. Okay, so this movie, to me, is basically a guidebook or how-to for being Southern before the 21st century. Yes. Did, did you, you felt that too? Yes. It is woefully historically inaccurate, but it is made from the lens of the Old South. It's highly romanticized. The Yankees are caricatured as dastardly villains, and the Southerners are portrayed as only wanting to stand up for themselves and their honor. And honestly, this is the narrative that's been told in the South for the last 157 years. It That was true for me. And, you know, we are a product of the way that we're raised until, you know, we're taught differently. But I remember my seventh grade history teacher taught the Civil War unit as the War of Northern Aggression. Like, I can still see those words written in her perfect cursive on the chalkboard. So that romanticized view of the South and slavery and the Confederacy was my reality for my entire childhood. And I will always be grateful to the teachers and writers who taught me better and helped me see the actual horror of that history. Yeah, I think... Gosh, I was in college before I really started to understand just how romanticized the history I had been taught in school was. Me too. And this movie, okay, this movie is more romanticized than what we were taught, but it's still, it's definitely a part of it. Mm -hmm. it. It helped drive that narrative that stuck around for so, so long. And I think is still here. In some ways, which is why we are going through a lot of what we're going through now in 2018. Yeah, I think so, too. So I think that the character of Melanie is the picture-perfect version of a Southern lady that we're all meant to be. And that is changing now in 2018. It's not quite quite as bad as it was back then, but 30 years ago, like, in my lifetime, 30 years ago, this was still taught as the ideal woman, especially if you were a God-fearing Christian. Oh, yeah. Yes, absolutely. 
This movie taught me straight up that women should be beautiful, demure, childlike, charming, kind, good, giving, maternal, willing to sacrifice themselves completely and completely dependent on men. Mm-hmm. Melanie was a shining example of goodness and Scarlett was a selfish, wicked girl who still lucked out and married rich. And <laughs> Scarlett could get away with being difficult and having a temper because she was so beautiful. So for me, as a girl who was also stubborn and difficult and had a temper, but was never considered beautiful, Scarlett set a bar too high for me to reach. So I always wanted to look like her, but I didn't want to be like her because she's cruel and manipulative. And I did not like her except in those moments when she was really strong and tough. And I do wish my heart was more like Melanie's heart because Melanie has a good heart. But I think the strong and tough are not things that Scarlett would have chosen to be if war had not ravaged her perfect little world. But definitely Melanie was often cited to me as the way that I should behave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. I was never able to do that. You should always turn the other cheek. You should always be quiet. You should always assume the best of everybody around you. Mm-hmm. Put yourself last. Always. Yes. Every time. Yes. So I did not watch this movie growing up the same way that you did. I never read the book. I got, I finally got around to watching the movie probably about five years ago just because I thought, wow, I'm a woman from the South. I should have some knowledge of this movie other than, frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. <laughs> <laughs> but I'd only seen it once before this watching, so I don't really have a history with it. So can you tell us about your experience when you first watched the movie and kind of how it affected you and your life yeah I think it's kind of ridiculous but I I grew up watching this movie so my dad bought it for me when I turned 12 it was the two VHS tape set and it was introduced as a movie that I was supposed to love and there were parts that I liked but they weren't the parts I was supposed to like and the things that bothered me weren't supposed to bother me but it was a family favorite so I watched it over and over and over again But I always sort of felt unsettled by it, and I never really understood why. But, I mean, we had a dog named Rhett and a dog named Scarlet. I lived half an hour from the Gone with the Wind Museum, which is called The Road to Terra in Jonesboro, Georgia. The first photo essay book I ever read was about the making of this movie. And, of course, anyone that is a patron of Eloquent Gushing knows that Rhett Butler put ideas of kissing in my head that have stuck with me my whole life. <laughs> so oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> this movie had a big influence on my childhood in ways that make me really sad and sorrowful today. Because now, of course, I understand the awful of it. Mm-hmm. You know, and especially, especially the romance. Because in this movie... Passion means being desired and controlled by a man with a little bit of violence in the mix. And being poor, black, and proper or not from the South meant that your story did not matter. And unfortunately, those ideas aligned pretty well with the way I was raised. Mm -hmm. So in an act of rebellion, I threw my copy of this movie in the trash when I was 18. And this was my first time rewatching it since. Wow. And now I remember why. Because it is terrible. (laughs) Although I do think it's very ironic that none of the star actors are Southern. I mean, Vivian Lee is British. And they all had to work with voice coaches to learn the accent. You know, to which I say, well, they sort of learned the accent. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Because none of them had a particularly Southern accent. No. They all had proper 
like plain American accents. Yes. Except for her dad, who was clearly Irish. Right. But yeah, so I just think it's hilarious that like what is maybe the most iconic Southern movie does not actually have natural Southern speakers right, in right. the movie. Okay. And that kind of cracks me up. Yeah, but they, I mean, I do think they cast it well. I think Vivian Lee and Clark Gable blew it out of the park. Oh, yeah. I can't imagine anyone else in that role. I just, you know, Mm-mm. the accent is not... <laughs> that's just not I've, plus have you ever heard anyone in your life say fiddle dd other than this movie because i have not <laughs> um i've heard it in musicals oh okay um whitney houston's version of the fairy godmother and cinderella sang fiddle dd oh the yeah song. okay I, mean, I guess i meant have you ever heard <laughs> anyone say it outside of a musical <laughs> <laughs> no but i liked it I did. I liked it. I thought it was cute. Yeah. Oh, fiddledy D. <laughs> I can't think about that today. I'll think about that tomorrow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. It, it's it's so bad. It's so bad. It's so bad. So that will move us into blessing hearts. It will. <laughs> I think <laughs> this is probably going to take up most of our conversation. Is this blessing yeah. our hearts section? So I just I'm going to start right from the very beginning. Like. I think the the first thing that I wrote down in my notes was this opening is wow. Yeah. <laughs> because it starts with um, a title card, not a title card, like an introductory scrolling card mm-hmm. like Star Wars does or something. <laughs> I actually cracked myself up with that. I was like, Star Wars, Gone with the Wind did it first. <laughs> <laughs> So for those of you who are listening who who haven't actually seen this movie, here is the first thing that you get after the introductory five-minute musical movement before the movie starts. (laughs) It says, There was a land of cavaliers and cotton fields called the Old South. Here in this pretty world, gallantry took its last bow. Here was the last ever to be seen of knights and their ladies fair of master and slave. Look for it only in books, for it is no more than a dream remembered. A civilization gone with the wind. Yeah, and then my brain pretty much exploded. Yes! <laughs> I think that opening may be the worst part. You know, painting slavery and misogyny as a pretty world full of grace from long ago. A fairy tale gone now with the wind. I mean, spare me this racist, patriarchal, romanticized bullshit. I just, I was like, God, really? Really? Yeah. I mean, it was pretty bad. Even even looking at it through the lens of the past, where these things, like patriarchy and and misogyny and, and racism and all of that, like, this is still a ridiculously romanticized version of the South yeah. and the Civil War. Like, even for people who lived through it, this is over the top? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and so I was looking at that and I was just wondering how on earth could anybody take what was and write these words about it? <laughs> it just blew my mind just a little bit. I mean, it does sound pretty. Oh, like yeah. If I, if I read that and, and took out the word master and slave, everything mm-hmm. else, if you read that, it would sound like the introduction to a fairy tale. It sounds like Camelot. It absolutely. Yeah. And that's just baffling to me. It because that is not what this movie is at all. Not at all. Especially when you consider 
you know, regular daily life in the early American South, the people portrayed as the stars of this movie, you know, the plantation owners and the fancy dancing ladies. And like, that was a small percentage of the population. Most people did not live like that. Exactly. So, yeah. And if you trace my family tree, you are definitely not going to end up on one of those plantations. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, mine either. (laughs) All right. So I posted on Twitter the other day a poll. Mm -hmm. And my poll asked everybody to choose Rhett or Ashley. Mm. And... Without fail, the answer was neither, because they both suck, but since I could only pick between those two, I'm going to pick Rhett. Interesting. Nobody. I think there may have been, like, two people, maybe, who voted for Ashley. Wow. And Ashley is one of the worst things about this movie to me, and it's, like, got layers to it, Mm -hmm. because Ashley is painted as this honorable, faithful husband to Melanie. He is the good one. He is the one that Scarlett is pining away from because he's so good compared to this roguish Rhett who is arrogant and doesn't have honor and doesn't stand for anything. But Ashley led Scarlett on for years and years and years under the guise of being that good man that everybody thinks he is. And that makes him the absolute worst kind of man. And then he basically even says to Scarlett that he doesn't love Melly or the baby because he tells her that he has nothing but honor keeping him there. Yeah. <laughs> For a moment in that scene, I was thinking, okay, he really does love her. So why has he done all of these other things that he's done? Like if, if he loved her from the start, why did he even marry Melanie in the first place? Because they never really explained that. But then, oh, but then, you know, he like kisses her and he's, he's like so passionate with her. And then Scarlett is like, well, why don't we just go somewhere? And he says, no, because I have my honor. It's like, it's, I'm not staying for Melanie. I'm staying for my honor. Mm-hmm. Well, and maybe it's because there was like a lack of a dictionary or a thesaurus because he you know they keep using the word love but there's another four letter word that starts with l Mm, you know (laughs) i think ashley lusted well and proper after scarlet but it didn't have anything to do with love and it just infuriated me because this man never drew his damn boundaries or defined his damn terms and it's very simple to say scarlet i do not love you i love melanie i mean damn Plus, he knows she's in love with him. And if you Mm -hmm. know someone is in love with you and you aren't in love with them, you kind of need to tell them. And you also really need to stop kissing them. Yeah. And you... By doing this, you're just being selfish. Right. Because you love the attention and you want the attention and you know that if you tell the truth, you're not going to get that attention anymore. Yeah. I And I had forgotten that he kissed her so many times. Like, I thought it just happened once. And in my notes, I wrote, Ashley Wilkes, you dirty dog. (laughs) Scarlet kissing him at Christmas was wrong, but damn if he didn't kiss her back. Yes, he did. You know, and plus he's like, tie that sash around my waist and let me touch your face and tell you you're beautiful. And oh, let me act so torn while my wife's upstairs asleep and just, oh my God. Really? I mean, really? I kind of wanted to punch him. Yeah. He was the worst. And poor Scarlet, because everybody knows she's in love with him. And they all kind of give her a hard time about it. Yeah, they do. 
They do. And I think that actually is a really nice segue into my next blessing of hearts section. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because right up front, when Scarlett finds out that Ashley is getting married to Melanie, she gets really, really upset. And her dad is talking to her and he realizes that she's upset and it's over Ashley. And he asks her, have you been making a spectacle of yourself? Mm -hmm. Like, why would it be her fault? Why is Ashley marrying somebody else when she thought he loved her? Why would that be her fault? Yeah. Yeah. And and he has that wonderful advice, too. He's like, what does it matter who you marry so long as he's a Southerner and thinks like you? And I was like, way to go, Dad. That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Great advice. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I have one last thing that just really frustrated me beyond belief. Mm Mm-hmm. Why are all of the slaves portrayed as simple-minded except for Mammy? Because of the need to justify the act of slavery, I guess. I don't know. I I hate the utter disregard for every African-American character in this movie. Even to the point when Ashley said that their slaves were better off than the prisoners Scarlett had hired to work at the mill because they didn't mistreat their slaves. And I was like, Oh my God, slavery is in and of itself the worst possible mistreatment from one human being to another. Yep. And so it was just, it was, it was maddening. I mean, there, there is too much involved in the racism of this movie to even begin to unpack it, except to say, Mm -hmm. I just want to bless the heart of the whole damn thing. It is infuriating and so, so full of injustice, so full of cruelty, so full of ignorance on behalf of the people who claim oh, we didn't mistreat the slaves. We just held them as slaves. Like, I I can't even, like, it's just so ridiculous. I can't even try to make sense of it. Yeah. And I think, unfortunately, though, it is a relatively accurate portrayal of how people really thought. Oh, yeah. Unfortunately. I think so, too. It it makes it tough when you watch a movie like this because it's hard to distinguish. Are you hating the material or are you hating the reality? Of what the material is based on. Yes, that's very true. It's tough because, I mean, Gone with the Wind is iconic. It is classic. It talks about some really horrible things. But I think they're things that we don't need to forget. And so it's good that we have this available. But at the same time, it's just going to make your blood pressure high. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was just sickened, you know, by it. And, like, I always feel bad anytime I watch a historic movie you know, where women's choices are so limited. But the women with the most privilege in this movie also had the most capacity for cruelty. You know, starting with Scarlett's mother, who was like portrayed as this great lady. But the first thing we see from her is her coming home, you know, after helping delivering this baby who died and telling Mr. Wilkerson, your child has been born and mercifully has died. I mean, Damn, because a dead baby is better than a poor bastard white trash one. Like, I just, I, I, I don't even have words for that, you know, and, and she's upheld as like the best of the best. And yet that's how she regards the people around her. Yeah. And I hate the expression white trash, though I have said it about myself more than once. And then Scarlett's parents, when they're talking to each other, call each other Mr. and Mrs. O'Hara. Mm-hmm. And I just like, what the hell was up with that? 
it cracked me up. But, you know, talk about making yourself super important in your own house. Yeah. I think I didn't get quite that same vibe from Scarlett's mom that you did. She was definitely cold. I do not dispute that at all. But to me, I read it as she was angry at Mr. Wilkerson because he took advantage of this other girl. They weren't married. She was pregnant and he wasn't even there. Yeah. But the mercifully has died like that. I just Mm. I can't even with that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. But yeah, I mean, I I think she was right to be angry at him. But yeah. And then all the stupid rules, you know, proper ladies don't eat. Right. Because that's not a basic human survival need. Well, it's not that they don't eat. They just don't eat in front of people. Right. Which (laughs) makes perfect sense. And they don't have any freckles. And I just hate all of that so much. But just felt the whole movie felt like it was glorifying the act of war. Although the reality of that is called out. You know, you have a bunch of these young men who are so excited by this idea. And then they see what the reality of of war is. Mm -hmm. You know, and slavery and these social class systems that are so oppressive. And violence and cruelty, death, destruction, poverty, sickness, and the dehumanization of people. And all in the name of what exactly? Because this movie shows humanity at some of its worst, and it was just really difficult to watch. An interesting thing about this movie is that while it is about the war, and it's about glorifying the war, it doesn't go into any of the reasons for the war. Yeah. At all. Like, it's just a thing that happened. Like, if this movie was the only thing you had ever seen about the Civil War, you would come out thinking that it was a land dispute. Yeah, or, or it was because the North insulted the South, you know? Exactly. <laughs> Ashley, yeah. they've insulted us. You can't mean you don't want war. Right. Like, oh, my God. Really? And it was interesting, though, and I thought you'd get a kick out of this because of Grey's A Club. But the scene in the hospital where the doctor cuts off that poor man's leg was the first horror scene I ever watched in a movie. And I blame all of my trauma of watching medical shows on this movie because I still cannot watch it. And I fast forwarded through the whole thing. Okay, did I miss something? Because I don't remember actually seeing that happen. Well, like, it, it, I, like you could hear it, and but the camera was just on Scarlett's face before she ran away, right? You see enough of it, and you hear enough of it. Like, it's not the okay. actual zooming in on the thing, but okay. I think I've only seen the scene in its entirety once because I always fast forward through it. But I remember that is the source of the medical okay. visual trauma. Yeah, that's understandable because it was traumatic. Yeah, it was okay. awful. And then we get into blessing hearts, and and I'm gonna have to bless Rhett and in, in more than one layer. But there was this moment where, and and I think like I can get through the first half of the movie better than the second half. Okay. And Rhett was, you know, he was very brave getting Melanie and Scarlett and the baby and Prissy out of Atlanta, but then he leaves them on the middle of a war torn road to join the army because his pride starts bothering him, like. He pulled a Jerry Maguire, ate two pieces of bad pizza, and grew a conscience, and yeah. he just left them. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, that poor horse, like, Scarlet literally beat the thing to death. And she has so much hope when she gets home, but her mother's dead, and her father's lost his mind. And I did like that Scarlet wanted to take care of him, you know, and then everyone started looking to her for direction. And I was like, welcome to the grown-up world of responsibility, Katie Scarlet O'Hara. It's a two drink minimum. Have fun. Right. 
Yeah, I felt so bad for her there, though, because all she wanted to do was go home. Yeah. And she was expecting to return to the home that she left. And, you know, she knew it wouldn't be exactly the same, especially after she saw the state that Twelve Oaks was in. Right. But the first thing she finds out when she gets there is that her mother is dead. Yeah. I, I cannot imagine. Like, I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. And so even though she's definitely not my favorite character in the world, mm-hmm. I had so much empathy for her there. Yeah. It, and, and it was just awful to come home to that. And, you know, so like I said, the first half was bad enough. But the second half is awful. And... You know, you have the poor O'Hara girls having to work hard when they grew up watching slaves and servants work nonstop for them. And I was like, boo, effing who? And yes, Scarlet is mean, but sometimes there is hard work to do and hard choices to make. And she is literally keeping everybody alive. Mm-hmm. And I had no problem with her, you know, being now. I mean, yeah, a little bit of kindness wouldn't have killed her, but I don't blame her. For being as hard as she was and then damn she had to shoot a man in the face like <laughs> when I was reading your notes I laughed out loud so hard because you had it in, like all caps you're like she shoots him in the face and I could like hear it in your voice <laughs> I just got so tickled <laughs> but I, I really like that Melanie shared that with her you know, Melanie yes. told everyone else, oh, Scarlett shot the gun by accident, you know, and, and she's just so great about it. And, and I think that's the one moment that she fully had Scarlett's respect because Scarlett was like, what a cool liar you are, Melly. And Melanie really was pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, she, there's a goodness to her that goes deeper than anything I could ever possibly attain. She was recovering from almost dying during childbirth. And she runs out with a sword trying to help. Yeah. It's pretty badass. It was pretty badass. But this this thing about the movie honestly confuses me. So maybe you can help me understand. So Scarlett needs to get the taxes on Tara. She goes to Atlanta. She runs into Frank Kennedy, who has, like, gone to build his life so he can marry Sue Ellen. And he has a store now. So I never understood why Scarlett married him herself instead of just asking him for the $300 and letting Sue Ellen marry him. Because that level of cruelty, lying to him about Sue Ellen marrying someone else, was just off the charts. Yeah, I am i don't really know. I feel like it's tied up in pride somehow. Like, she was okay asking Rhett for the money because Rhett has already seen her raw and vulnerable, but nobody else has. Oh. That's honestly, that's the only thing that I can come up with. And so she 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 wouldn't have wanted anybody else to know just how destitute she was and how how far she had fallen. I mean, of course, everybody knew that, you know, they had lost everything. They still had Tara, but mm-hmm. everything had been stolen and the barn was gone. But she still had her pride. I just always thought that was probably like the meanest thing that Scarlett ever did. And then, you know, when she gets home and Ashley's like, it's all my fault. I was like, yes, Ashley, that's very helpful. Thank you. Yeah. God, way to make it all about you, man. Like he couldn't even give her any like possibilities of how to get the money. It's just, oh, 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 let me talk some philosophy at you while you're struggling with this. And I'm like, I mean, I'm all for a philosophical discussion, but sometimes you got to figure shit out, you know, Mm -hmm. and he was just. I don't know. It just drove me crazy. But I remember this when I read the book. 
I went and read the book in fifth grade after I watched the movie for the first time. And I was, you know, shocked and appalled because the movie changed the book. But Scarlett is married three times. And in the movie, she only has Bonnie. But in the book, she has children in each marriage. Oh, wow. And, And she leaves... When she marries Rhett, she leaves the children from the first marriages at Tara. Wow. I'm really glad they didn't do that in the movie. Yeah. She 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 leaves them with her sisters. And then she goes with Rhett and has Bonnie. So it was, it was really interesting to me some of the things that they left out of the movie that the book had included. And then, you know, when she's deciding she's going to run that mill... You know, she she turns that store into a major profit. She has a great business mind. I mean, mm-hmm. she really does. She sees business opportunities and she knows how to make money. Although, you know, I don't like her hiring those prisoners either. She has no time for honor or for kindness. But I think it's very easy to value honor and kindness when you're not starving to death. Right. I could appreciate her position. But she says flat out, you know, I found out that money is the most important thing in the world. And then we see her take that too far. Mm-hmm. But she is, you know, hell bent and determined. And I, I'm not going to necessarily slap her for that determination, even though I, I don't like how it played out. It makes sense, given where she came from and how far she fell, that she would work like hell and do everything that she possibly could to get back to where she was or even better. Mm-hmm. And, and so it makes perfect sense to me. I don't have to like her for it, but I can respect her for it. If that makes sense. Yeah. I I once read a book called A Woman of Substance and it, God, who is it by? Beverly Taylor Bradford, maybe? Something like that. And it, it was written in the 70s and it, it was a huge time of a book and it's probably the, the first really, really long book I ever read. And it's about a woman who basically does what Scarlett does, except in the book, she came from nothing and created an empire. And in this... Scarlet came from something, ended up in nothing, and then went on to maybe not create an empire, empire, but to make something of her. And so that phrase has always stuck with me, a woman of substance. Mm-hmm. And that's what runs through my head whenever I look at Scarlet in the second half of this movie, because she gets what she wants no matter how she has to do it. She's willing to do whatever it takes. Yeah. And, and sometimes it's not just what she wants, it's what she needs. And And sometimes it's what other people need. And like, as a woman who has supported an entire family all by myself, I know what that pressure feels like. You know, Mm -hmm. like people would literally have starved to death or been out and without any, you know, anywhere to live if she had not made some of the choices that she made. Right. But then when she reached a level of security, you know, she kept going and, and got crueler and crueler with it. But that initial determination of, okay, this is what has to be done, and it's on me, and obviously, none of the people around her were going to be able to help her. I I do respect that about her. I really do. I think there's just something about power and success that's addictive. And when you're raised with no checks on yourself, Mm. I mean, she was allowed free reign. She was allowed to be that manipulative little terror that she was you know her parents did not stop her they gave her everything she wanted there were no consequences for any of her actions and because she never had those checks she had no internal system of balances whenever she started to be successful and I think that's what drove her to go too far and you think that people would just have 
basic human decency. But unfortunately, most of the time, we just don't if we're not either taught it or shown it somehow. Yeah. Well, and empathy was never one of Scarlet's charms. I mean, (laughs) and of course, you know, everyone is talking so badly about her, including the people who she is saving and supporting because she's Mm -hmm. not behaving the way she's supposed to. And that, of course, continues to amuse the hell out of Rhett. But she she also refuses to listen to some reality. Like, she's going to drive her buggy by herself through that dangerous area. She says, you know, don't worry about me. I can shoot straight if I don't have to shoot too far. And, of course, she gets attacked and saved by Big Sam. And I did love Big Sam. I want to give Big Sam a hug. I just really mm-hmm. like him. Um, and then Frank, you know, because of honor, again, which... Rhett Butler and I do share anger over waste and the waste of a human life over some idea of honor drives me crazy and so then poor Frank dies you know and and you know how like in Harry Potter whoever teaches the defense against the dark Turks class like that class is cursed (laughs) yeah yeah I kind of think Mary and Scarlett O'Hara is kind of brings that with it (laughs) yeah it kind of does but then Rhett marries her anyway and they have you know they have Bonnie and like, his excitement over the baby was very sweet, but his instant possessive control of that baby really bothered me. You know, like, he named her without even asking Scarlett, who had just delivered the baby. And he says, she's the first person who's ever completely belonged to me. And I was like, no, Rhett. No. No. Just no. <laughs> first of all, she's her own person. Second of all, she also has a mother. Right. And that just really, like, I think fatherhood immediately turned Rhett in a direction that I no longer liked. Okay. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And then we had to have good old fat shaming also from Rhett when they're on their yeah. honeymoon and Scarlett wants to eat everything in sight. And he's like, stop being such a glutton. You'll get as fat as Mammy and then I'll divorce you. Well, then she has a baby and oh my God, her waist goes from 18 and a half inches to 20 inches. She's so fat. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh, my God. I mean, come on. And she doesn't want to have any more children. And, you know, he's mad about that. Well, I mean, you know, I know that's like. <laughs> that's, okay. That's not, the, say, that's not yeah, really that's not what he was really mad it, about. But, you know, it's the whole, oh, by the way, I'm not having sex with you anymore. But, like, she did not, what did she say? I don't want to get old and fat before my time. Well, I'm sorry, but Rhett kind of put that idea in her head early. You know, women gain weight when they have babies. And it just, I don't know. There was something about it that just pissed me off. And, and yeah, I mean, he was mad that she doesn't want to have sex with him anymore. But really, he's, he was just furious because she still loves Ashley. And, like, nothing that Rhett did could get Ashley out of her heart. And it just drove him crazy. Yeah, I, I actually felt bad for him in that scene because that's the scene where he walked in on her looking at the picture of Ashley. Yeah. And as as she is telling him she doesn't want to have any more children, he steps on it and realizes that's what she was looking at. And of course, he immediately understands because she's been pining over Ashley her whole freaking life. Right. And so I feel like he had every right to be angry there because she's kind of lying to him, mm-hmm. but not. Yeah. It, it was just all really bizarre. And she held on to the mill even though, like, I mean, really, she was only going there to see Ashley. Like, that, yes, that was why she went. But I did think Rhett had a moment where he was, he was trying to talk to her, adult person to adult person, saying, you're throwing away happiness with both hands. 
You'll never mm-hmm. know him. You'll never understand his mind. Because Rhett was right in the fact that Ashley and Melanie were very alike in the way they think. And Rhett and Scarlett are very alike in the way they think. And I'm sorry, mm-hmm. but a meeting of the minds, it has to be some kind of foundation for a long-lasting relationship, in my opinion. Right. I don't think what Ashley wanted from Scarlett was a long-lasting relationship, and I don't think it would have taken all that long, honestly. So I just, <laughs> I think it would have burned itself out very, very quickly. But he was the one thing she wanted that she couldn't have. And that by itself built it up for her, I think. And yeah, Rhett was watching it. He'd been watching this for years. And no matter what he gave her and no matter what he did, and he was actually completely falling in love with her and he didn't want to be in that position either. You know, he didn't yeah. want to be in love with her, but he was. And so, you know, you have that fabulous love triangle that was just a freaking disaster. <laughs> and I, <laughs> so then, of course, you know, Scarlett goes to the mill and Ashley, for some reason, with all these I'm such a dedicated husband conversation, never seems to be able to help like hugging her and putting his face near her face. Like it just kind of seems to be the way he says hello. And India and Mrs. Mead walk in on them. And, of course, you know, they have to go home and tell everybody. Oh, of course. They were hugging, you know. Oh, my God. And then Rhett grabs her and forces her out of the bed and makes her go to that party and makes her wear that dress. Although, I got to say, that scarlet dress is gorgeous. But no one is mad at Ashley. No one is mad at Ashley. They're only mad at Scarlet. And, damn, people, it takes two to tango. Mm -hmm. You know, and then, of course, Melanie was incredibly kind to her but it just infuriates me that scarlet was the one looked down on for that and ashley nobody was upset with him at all were you upset at the way rut treated her about going to the party and then leaving her there oh my god i mean he pretty much you know literally dragged her there by force and manhandled her out of the bed and you know it just it was the whole thing was horrible yeah see that part didn't bother me Honestly, it didn't because she wanted to hide in bed and make it go away and he made her confront it like an adult. Yeah, I guess he just, there are better ways to do that than jerking somebody up by the arm and throwing them out of a bed. Yeah, probably. <laughs> probably. And and then, you know, Rhett still can't deal with his jealousy. So manhandling and threatening and, you know, pretending to crush her skull and then raping her is the next order of business. And what made that even worse is the damn this movie to hell for having Scarlett look so happy and pleased the next morning. She's singing to herself and giggling. And I'm like, oh my God, I can't even with this shit. It drove me crazy. I think that part drives a lot of people crazy. There was a comment on Twitter about Rhett being a rapist. And I hadn't seen this part yet. And I certainly didn't remember it from the first time I'd watched it. And so I've been watching this movie going, I don't understand what has he done that constitutes rape. I mean, yes, he forced her to kiss him. But that's not rape. And then we get to the scene. And I was like, oh, oh, okay. Oh, but I have a very controversial opinion about this. Okay. Scarlett liked to push Rhett's buttons on purpose. She wasn't afraid of him, and she stood up for herself. I mean, him grabbing her skull and threatening to crush it was horrifying and awful, and he should never have done that. And if I could punch him for that, I absolutely would. But she turned around and stood up to him and said, I'm not afraid of you. 
And I think she meant it. I don't actually think she believed he would hurt her. He was just angry. Mm -hmm. And then this next scene where he says, oh, I don't even remember how he worded it, but it was, I love you more than I've ever loved any woman. And I've waited for you longer than I've ever waited for any woman. Then he's like, why you shut me out? Only dream of Ashley Wilkes or whatever. This is one night you're not shutting me out. Grabs her. Right. Drags her up the stairs. And then he, he doesn't drag her. He picks her up and carries her. It, it's romanticizing marital rape. I mean, it just, uh You're not wrong. You're not wrong. And I think this is still just remnants of, of my conditioning to think of what is romantic. But in this scene, she doesn't tell him no. She doesn't fight him. She doesn't do anything except go with him. And then the next scene that we see is the next morning. She is so happy and so thrilled. And it harkens back to that first scene where he kissed her and she did push him away and he convinces her to kiss him again and she admits that she had never been kissed like that she loved it and that's what made her start to give Rhett a second look Mm -hmm. was that she was finally experiencing passion yeah and she was finally experiencing something I mean, kissing's not always sexual, but I think kissing Rhett Butler is always going to be sexual. And so she was finally experiencing (laughs) something. (laughs) Yes, honey. (laughs) I mean, it is. So she was finally experiencing something sexual that was positive, that felt good. Kissing Rhett Butler is sex with your clothes on. Yes. It is. It is. And and so what, what I got from this scene was like affirmation that she really does love him. She just doesn't know it like it's not active love it's just something that's kind of sitting inside of her and she I don't know I feel like I'm defending rape and that's not at all no but and I completely understand it because the whole time growing up watching this I thought it was an incredibly romantic scene I always did it's only now that I look back and I'm like oh hell no but I mean to the point that the first time a man pushed me against a wall and kissed me without my consent, I thought it was passion. Mm-hmm. Like, that's how messed up my internalization of this movie was. Right. And it, it takes a long time to unpack that kind of stuff. And, you know, for the longest time, I thought it was, you know, that's what passion looks like. And that's how it works. And, you know, so my view on it now is just very, very different. But I definitely think the way you see it is the way it was intended. Yeah, I... I have a lot of conflicted feelings about Rhett. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll, we'll talk about him more when we get to the Tickled Pink section, too. Because there there are some really, really great things about Rhett. There are also some really, really terrible things about Rhett. Oh, yeah. And it's, it's hard. Like, nobody is all good or all bad. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just not the human condition. Yeah. And I think it's important to talk about the bad things, but it's also important not to throw away the good things because there are bad things. Right. I mean, he's definitely a compelling character. There's, you know, there's no question about that. But then the next morning, you know, he comes in, he takes her child away after threatening her with a buggy whip, by the way, you know, and then he takes his child to London. Scarlett ends up pregnant and then he comes home. She tells him she's pregnant He says, cheer up. Maybe you'll have an accident. And she falls all the way down the stairs, has a miscarriage, and almost dies. So I'm like, from the the minute they get married on, I can no longer like Rhett. And and there's something about that. 
like I, I, I grew up seeing a lot of couples that seemed very happy or men who seemed very good and kind who changed when they got married. And I don't know if it's because the idea of a wife becomes like this person is now my property or I now own this person who, you know, then become possessive and abusive and scary and controlling. And I've seen that, you know, not just in story, but in life and in my own life more than once. And that's kind of the box that I put Rhett in. So it's like before they get married, I like him a lot. After they get married, I just can't stand him. See, and I don't really think he changed after they got married. I think the expectation is that he would change because he was married and that he would be more of a husbandly type instead of a rogue. And he wasn't. I guess, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Or if it was just what he wanted from Scarlet didn't exist anymore. You know, because the, the girl who amused him so much, that girl didn't really exist anymore after everything yeah. that Scarlet had been through. Yeah. She couldn't go back to the way that she was. And I don't know that he really loved her as she as she was as a as a grown woman. I think he did. But I think I think the problem really is that neither of them changed after they got married. They were both still behaving exactly the same as they did before they were in a relationship together. And that that in itself is going to cause issues. Maybe. Because if you can't go into a marriage as a partner, as a partnership, then you're not going to have a good relationship. And I don't care if this is during the Civil War. Yeah, so I think I think that might be the perspective that I'm coming from, is that the reason their marriage failed is because neither of them changed from being single people to being a united relationship. I mean, of course, you still have to be your own individual people, but you also have to be part of that relationship, and neither of them did that. Yeah, maybe so. But then the whole movie just goes downhill, you know, because then Bonnie dies. Yes. Now, I did have to say, my heart breaks for Rhett every single time when Mammy says, you know, she's talking about Rhett, and he said, you think I'm going to put that child in the dark when she's so scared of it? Refusing to bury her, refusing to let her go, that kills me. Mm -hmm. But then we've got, so Bonnie dies, and then Melanie dies. And I'm like, damn, this movie. You know, and Scarlett finally realizes that Ashley loves Melanie, and this whole time has just been... complete waste of chasing something that doesn't exist you know I mean damn Ashley really like you should have told me years ago you loved her and not me uh yeah that (laughs) would have saved everybody a lot of pain and then Scarlett realizes she loves Rhett too late and she chases through that mist from her dreams but he's gone and God, the awfulness of this movie is bad enough and now we have all this tragedy to end on and I just needed a drink I did not put together that that was the mist from her dreams. Like, I was sitting here wondering, is something on fire? Like, what is happening? That's the mist from her dreams. You know, she's chasing something. She can't find it. She doesn't know what it is. And then that's exactly the scene that we get at the end. Yep. You're absolutely right. I did not pick up on that. Because she did love Red. It just took her getting over Ashley to realize it. Mm-hmm. And then we end up with her on the stairs. And then all the voices come back telling her about Tara. Mm-hmm. Your strength comes from the red earth of Terra, something you love better than me, you know, this love of the land. And that could have been a good ending, except we get her saying, oh, I'm going to go home and find a way to get him back because it's got to be about a man. So yep. I was like, ugh, 
And ugh, and as God is my witness, I am never watching this movie again. (laughs) (laughs) I think that is absolutely fair. (laughs) Because, oh my God, this movie does not need to be four hours long, let me tell you. Oh my God, this movie lasts forever. Yeah. It is a forever reel of awful. It kind of is. kind of is. So, but there are some things, and I do kind of feel guilty that there are things in this movie that tickled me pink, but there were things I liked. So, are there things that you liked? Did you get tickled pink? Oh, yeah. There are. Because while there are some really terrible things in this movie, I think some of it was genuinely just entertaining amid all of the, oh, my God, this movie is too long. (laughs) (laughs) So I have to be honest, and I think you've probably already picked up on this. I truly and well love Rhett. Mm -hmm. I really do. He is honest to a fault. Yeah. Like, he never tries to be something he's not. Up front, he tells her, I never give anything without getting something in return. I always get paid. He never lies to Scarlett. He never leads her on. He is the exact opposite of Ashley in every way. Yeah. And honestly, I do think that his love for his daughter may be my very favorite thing in this whole movie. Yeah, and and he was. I mean, the love for the baby was was very sweet. And watching this now as an adult and watching Rhett, I thought, oh, my love for the bad boy hero has an origin story after all. Because (laughs) (laughs) you have this, you know, at the beginning, this charming rebel with courage and a good heart. And I did love him getting Melanie's wedding ring back. Mm-hmm. for her and the letter that he wrote to her was so dear and you know he told her I'm ne- I'm neither noble nor heroic like he's he's honest about it and when all the men are so excited about war he tells them you know all we've got is cotton and slaves and arrogance and I'm sorry if the truth offends you you know and he leaves the group and he doesn't care what any of them think Mm-hmm. And he tells Scarlett, you know, he's bringing her all those gifts. And he says, I'm not kind. I'm just tempting you. And yep. he's telling it as it is. And then, of course, of course, we get the one line from this movie that I will never, I'll never forget. It will always be with me. You should be kissed and often and by someone who knows how. Because hell yes. I want that hell for yes. everyone. Yes. yes. That is my favorite Red Butler line of the movie. Yes. But I did like it when I don't like how he leaves her on the road to go join the army. But I did like him saying the cause of living in the past is dying right in front of us. I'm angry. Waste always makes me angry. And that's all this is sheer waste. Because that kind of waste of human life, I share that anger with Rhett. Like I just, Mm -hmm. I did not like it. And for all the movies that we've watched with all the terrible marriage proposals, This one cracked me up. All the sarcasm and the -the over-the-top parody of him. (laughs) My love. It was was so funny. But he tells her flat out, I'm a man who understands you and admires you just for who you are. I figure we belong together being the same sort. And if I was the marrying kind, that would have worked for me. Mm -hmm. It It was pretty funny. But all the things that I love about him are ruined by him at the end of the movie. Yeah. It's kind of bittersweet. Yeah, I did like that Scarlett turned it back on him and she's like, well, if I told you I was madly in love with you, you'd know I was lying. That was great. I'm like, these two are perfect for each other. Yeah. They just can't see it. Yeah. And he wanted her. You know, he told her, I want to hear you say the words you said to Ashley Wilkes. I want to hear you say I love you. She's like, that is something you'll never hear from me, Captain Butler, as long as you live. But then she tells him at the end. 
<laughs> but it's too late. Yeah, but it's then it's too late. Too late. Oh yeah. God. Yeah. Um, you mentioned this line already, but one of my favorite Scarlet lines was when she finally recognizes that Ashley's been stringing her along, and she just flat out tells him, "You should have told me years ago that you loved her and not me, and left me dangling here." Yeah. Like she's she's just she's like you idiot. Yeah. Why did you leave? Why did you do this? Yeah. And she immediately goes and runs for Rhett, which I did like. Mm-hmm. As much as I hate the mistreatment of African Americans in this movie, Mammy had some of the best lines. Yeah, she did. I mean, she had no Fs to give either. You know, she said things like, what a gentleman say and what he thinks ain't the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> which is some truth, let me tell you. <laughs> Uh, when she's fighting her about the dress that she wants to wear to the barbecue, she says, no, you ain't. You can't show your bosom before three o'clock. I wanted to know. I meant to look that up. Why three o'clock? Why are breasts okay after three o'clock? I don't know, but I was watching what everybody else was wearing and everybody else was covered up to their neck. Right. It was so bizarre. It was so bizarre. I really meant to look that up. If anybody listening knows why you can't bear your breasts before three o'clock, please let me know. Because then I started playing with it in my head, and I was like, I wonder if that's where happy hour comes from. Like, <laughs> you know, Oh, interesting. It's finally that time of day. All right, girls, let them loose. Like, I don't know. I didn't understand this rule. I've never, I've never heard know, of that. I don't know. Maybe it's just too early in the morning. It ain't proper. <laughs> it just ain't proper. It ain't fitting. It ain't fitting. Just ain't that's fitting. right. It ain't fitting. Yeah. All those crazy yeah. rules. I, like, I... I would have been hopeless at that. <laughs> Just the sheer rules alone. Like, I can't even imagine. Yeah. Do you have anything else that tickled you? I, I do, but, you know, we've talked a lot about this movie, and I want to make sure you have some time to, to say the things that you really like to <laughs> besides Rhett. <laughs> so, let's. what tickles you paint, Kelly? Well, the cinematography is beautiful, mm-hmm. and the costumes were amazing, especially the dresses. Oh, oh Scarlet's dresses were amazing. They're so All of gorgeous. And yes. the, the South is a pretty place in terms of geography. And a Southern accent will always sound like honey-dipped music to me. Even when it's fake. Even when it's fake, not as much. But <laughs> it brings to mind the real thing. Mm-hmm. You know, but the history of the South and, I mean, hell, much of the present of the South is not pretty and should not be sugar-coated. That I do like, even if it's not intentional in this over-romanticized movie, I think it's still evident. So I still think it was good for us to watch it and talk about it, even though mm-hmm. I felt kind of conflicted about it. But I have to say, like, God, Mandy, I am such a shallow girl. I love the dancing. Like, mm-hmm. enough dancing is going to save a scene for me I just you know and Scarlet dancing under the table when she's supposed to be in mourning like I have never seen or danced a waltz I did not love yep and and Rhett you know asking her to dance anyway social propriety be damned he bids $150 in gold to dance with her and Dr. Mead says she will not consider it sir Scarlet yells out oh yes I will (laughs) and Rhett tells her we've kind of shocked the confederacy and like I like that And she says, another dance and my reputation will be lost forever. And Rhett tells her, with enough courage, you can do without a reputation. Mm -hmm. But then he totally changes his mind about that later when they have a baby and he wants to fit into proper society. Yeah, a little. Yeah, but that's because he wants better for his daughter. Like, he wants to fit in so that his daughter will fit in. Yeah. 
It's not because he suddenly developed a conscience. Yeah, that's true. But, uh, and Ashley had one good line in Just the movie. one. Just one. But it was a really good one. He said, most of the miseries of the world were caused by war. And when the war was over, no one really knew what they were about. Mm-hmm. So I cannot stand Ashley Wilkes, but I like that line. And the character that I loved, who I loved this time even more than I remember loving, was Belle Watling. Oh, yeah. She was fantastic. And I like the friendship between her and Rhett. I love the respect between her and Melanie. And then I actually had a lot of tickle pink from Melanie, which I did not expect. Because I think I used to resent Melanie's character because she was held up as a feminine ideal that was so different from me. But I really did respect her a lot because she was so incredibly kind and empathetic, but she was also not a doormat. Right. And she says, you know, when everyone's blaming Scarlett for Frank, you know, getting killed, and she tells everyone, Scarlett did what she thought she had to do, and now the men are doing what they think they have to do. Mm-hmm. So I, I just, she always approaches people with respect, with generosity, you know, with empathy. And I like the scene when they have that, you know, they're trying to go out and clean up that area where Scarlet was attacked or whatever and the you know the soldiers are looking for them I did really like Rhett getting involved you know he brings all the men back acting like they're all drunk Melanie is smart enough to tell Scarlet to be quiet and leave things to her because Scarlet didn't catch on to like innuendo and <laughs> when stuff was going on she was kind of oblivious but the relationship between Rhett and Melanie might have actually been my favorite in this movie Okay. And I think Dr. Mead was a cute pretend drunk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was. His wife was also adorable because she thought it was true and she just wanted to know what the inside of Bells looked like. <laughs> that was really funny. And I like the moment that Rhett picked Ashley up and carried him to the bedroom to be treated, even though he hated him. You know, he saved him from Melanie. Mm-hmm. And I like Belle giving them all an alibi and Melanie going out to thank her. I thought that that was really good. And again, I mean, Rhett's smart-ass proposal, just as far as entertainment, is probably the thing that entertained me the most. When he tells Scarlett, I can't go all my life waiting to catch you between husbands. Did you ever think of marrying just for fun? (laughs) Yeah. But then we get another Rhett Butler kissing line. And he says, none of the fools you've known have kissed you this way, have they? I'm like, damn it. Damn it. (laughs) damn it damn it (laughs) yeah but there were also a few good scarlet moments Mm -hmm. so the whole god is my witness thing i do admire her determination there i like her kind of questioning the grief and mourning system you know she says mourning for what i don't feel anything why should i have to pretend she's she's questioning the you know the logic behind that ritual and and i liked it and when she needed the $300 for those taxes, nothing was going to stop her, you know, from getting it. And when Ashley was being such a, I don't even know what the word is. I, I just, I don't even know what is wrong with that man. You know, he gives philosophy to her with, with no actual help. And he's all, oh, I might love you, but I can't leave Melanie and the baby. And speaking of honor to a woman of passion, and then whoops, he's accidentally kissing her again. And then he says, okay, I'm going to take Melanie and leave. 
because I just can't be around this temptation or whatever his deal was. And Scarlett had this one very good adult moment where she said, Mm -hmm. you don't have to go. I won't have you all starve simply because I threw myself at you. And I think that's my favorite Scarlett moment. It's definitely her most self-aware moment. Yeah, I think so too. And then I like when she tries to get the $300 from Rhett and I mean, she's basically offering her body to him and he tells her, you're not worth $300. And I was like, oh, hell no, Rhett Butler. Yeah, that was his worst moment to me. But she she just takes it on the cuff. She's like, go ahead and insult me. Just give me the money. Yeah. She was focused. And I, mm-hmm. and I did like that about her. That's about all I got for being Tickle Pink. <laughs> I think it's interesting that Melanie, I think, is the one character who got better in the second half of the movie. Yes, I think so, too. I think so, too. But, I mean, she also went through hell. She almost died and... She was dependent on the kindness of people around her, even though Scarlett stayed very reluctantly to help deliver that baby. And she only stayed for Ashley, not for Melanie. Right. But Melanie had a way of sort of creating love where she was. And maybe she was also a dreamer like Ashley was. And and I think that that was something that they had in common. They did think alike. They both tended to, to be you know, sort of gentle and Scarlet and they both loved Scarlet. And I think that they were both drawn to the same things about Scarlet, you know, because Scarlet was vivacious and Scarlet was so full of passion and Melanie did not hold that against her, which I I always thought was very interesting. There was no underlying jealousy there. You know, she genuinely loved Scarlet. She did. I mean, she gave her her son twice, you know, both times that she thought, well, the first time she thought she was going to die and the second time she knew she was going to die. Right. You know, and, and she really did love her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Me- Melanie has improved with age for me watching the movie and everyone else has gotten worse. Except for yeah. Belle. I love Belle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Belle's pretty great. Yeah. She was. So did you have any other thoughts that did not fit into our buckets? The only thing I really came up with was I have never seen a movie that had such a terrible ending also end with so much hope. Because... Okay, so she miscarried her baby after she fell down the stairs. Then Bonnie dies. Then Melanie dies. Then Rhett leaves her. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's nothing good happening in her life, but the movie ends with this giant swell of uplifting music and the look on Scarlett's face when she's like, I'll think of a way to get him back. And then she's just smiling with all of this orchestral music behind her. Like, they want you to go out with the sense of hope. And it's just so bizarre. Yeah, it's bizarre, all right. (laughs) Yeah, I've never seen anything like it. It was weird. Well, you know, denial is not just a river in Egypt. (laughs) (laughs) Now, the music in this was great. The musical score all the way through was, was so well done. It was, but I did get kind of tired of hearing When Johnny Comes Marching Home Again. Even when it was beautifully scored, it was still When Johnny Comes Marching Home Again. Yeah. And the other one, oh, it's so familiar, but I can't remember what it is. Is it Dixie? It's Dixie. It was Dixie? I okay. wish I was in the land of cotton. Old times there are not forgotten. Look away, look away, yeah. look away. Dixie yes. Yep. Those two songs, like, I don't care how, like, fancy you make them. They're still Dixie and When Johnny Comes Marching Home Again. And so it was just... I, I could have done with a little less of those two and a mm-hmm. little more of just the regular score because yeah. the score was beautiful. Yeah, I think it's the regular score that I was 
thinking of. But yeah, okay. they, they did kind of overdo those other two. Yeah, they really did. Yeah. It's like, and just in case you're not sure that movie is about the South, <laughs> let me just throw some Dixie in here for you, just to remind you. That's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? I do like Rhett's last line. When he says, frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Because that pretty much sums up my feelings for this movie now. But it's just a great line. <laughs> it's just a great line. And it, you can use it in so many ways. I like it. Yeah. I think that is the most iconic line from this movie. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize what the context of it was. And I, as we were getting close to the end, I caught myself thinking, I haven't heard Rhett say that. When is he going to say that? And then he's packing and he's leaving. And I'm like, oh, I know exactly how he's going to say that. And then he does. And it's like a sucker punch because it's so cruel. Mm -hmm. Like, I totally understand where he's coming from because, I mean, quite honestly, he put up with a lot from her. And... Enough is enough. Both of them needed to just say, like, she needed to get to the point where she got with Ashley, where she could just recognize that he doesn't love her and walk away. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what Brett was doing with Scarlett, is he's finally, he's like, I have loved her. I have been her husband. I have watched her pine over this man, and I just can't do it anymore. But it's so mean. Yeah. <laughs> it's so mean. It's so mean. Like, I mean, she is crying and bawling her eyes out. And I totally understand why he doesn't believe her. Like, I wouldn't either, mm -hmm. honestly. Like, the hopeless romantic in me wants to because that's exactly, in a normal romance novel, that is exactly how that ending would have gone down. But he would have come back. Right. Like, he still would have said it. Like, she would have been crying and fawning over him. She would have said, what's going to become of me? Where do I go? He would have said, frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn and left. She would have gone to sit on the stairs, collapse on the stairs, and just cry and cry and cry. And he would have turned around, come back through the door, taken her into his arms, and said, I really can't live without you, and I love you. In a romance novel, that's what would have happened. Yeah. And that's what I was expecting to happen here. I legitimately did not expect it to end with him actually having left her. And it was startling. Yeah, I think it's, it's often described as a romance, but it's not. This movie's a tragedy. It's definitely not a romance. It's definitely a tragedy. Nothing happy happens in this movie. No. <laughs> no. Like, Scarlet marries men she doesn't love. They die. She pines after a dude her whole life who leads her on, doesn't love her, while she's loved by a man who is kind of cruel and doesn't really care about what she wants. Mm -hmm. And then her babies die and her husband leaves her. Yeah. Like, what good happens in this movie at all nothing which is why i'm never watching it again <laughs> yeah yeah but we do have something pretty great to watch next oh so, thank god i know right <laughs> oh yes yeah, so next week we are watching one of my favorite movies starring the wonderful sandra bullock and harry connick jr hope floats i love this movie I do, too. I love this movie. And we get this wonderful song that Garth Brooks covered from Bob Dylan that makes me so damn happy. Yes. I love this movie. But I haven't seen it in a long time. I've seen it several times, but I haven't seen it in a long time. So I can't wait to watch yeah. it again. Me, too. Me, too. It's going to be great. And I'm going to cry when the little girl wants to go with her dad. Yeah. And he doesn't let her. Yeah. But that's okay. That's okay. It's okay because the rest of it's so wonderful. I love Sandra Bullock. I'm going to so. grin all the grins when they dance because I love that scene. 
Imagine that. I know. Kelly there might be dance. a theme here. <laughs> yeah. But I need right. I need a palate cleanser after Gone with the Wind. I mean, hell, I need a soul restorative after this. Oh, girl, you and me both. <laughs> so I am looking forward to Hope Floats. <laughs> well, we want to hear from you. If you would like to join the conversation on Twitter and tell us exactly how you feel about Gone with the Wind and Rhett Butler, use the hashtag SFPOP. You can find me on Twitter at Manny K, or you can email us at podcast at eloquentgushing.com. And you can find me on Twitter at Dr. Kelly Jones or on the Still Dead podcast with Lonnie Diane Rich or the new Orgasm podcast with Noella Croy. And Southern Fried Pop Culture is funded by supporters like you through our Patreon page. For exclusive content and more, please visit us at patreon.com slash eloquentgushing. Thanks to Jazzy Bentley for our awesome show music. And thanks, y'all. You wanna hear just what I think But I don't walk around to go pick I've got a lot to say about today's modern art There's stories and there's counterpoints And I have got my unique voice I'm a professor who says bless your little Southern Fried Pop Culture is an Eloquent Gushing production. For more information, please visit eloquentgushing.com or visit us on Twitter at Eloquent Gushing.